Welcome to episode 236 of the McSauce Comic Book Podcast. My name is Paul McGinty. With me, as always, are Ian Wakanda Sharpley. Hello. And Matt Cassell. My hair has blown back. It is Monday night, April 16th, and tonight we're going to have a sousant of different topics all across the board. We're going to talk Fantastic Four. We're going to talk Ian's new PlayStation 4 purchase. And all the fours! And we might even get into a little comic book malaise. But all that's for later, because we start things with housekeeping with Ian Sharpley. McSauce.com! Check it out. We have a nice little website there. It has comics and reviews has this podcast so you can check it out uh check us out on all the social media things such as twitter facebook and instagram type in m c s o s s and you'll pull up all of our uh, all of our little good things that we have on social media so uh, why don't we why don't we dive right into the old podcast right now matt requested a faster more intense intro tonight well, I think that, uh, I, that I was to deliver. I think I was proven right in my direction. It was so fast. It was so intense. I feel good. I feel I feel ready to bring this heat. I feel like I needed sunglasses. I'm fucking excited uh, to talk about some stuff. What are we starting with tonight, Matt? Well, why don't we start with um, with the Fantastic Four? Uh, it was recently announced, the, the creative team on the Fantastic Four, which I think has significance to this podcast, because as any longtime listener knows, McSauce is the patron, or I'm sorry, the patron saint of the McSauce comic book podcast is none other than Dan Spider-Man Killer Slot himself. Uh, is he like the... I mean, like, you guys have much more venom towards Dan Slot than I do, but venom, isn't good he work. more the... Like the the patron demon. Yeah, I think he probably would be. A patron saint is Frank Cho. Yeah. Lover of boobs and butts. Not a good word has ever been uttered. Can I say something about Frank Cho? Yeah. Not to be negative here or anything, but. He's going to smite you down. Be careful. I used to really like Frank Cho. And I guess I like him still as an artist, but I feel like he's better suited as strictly a covers guy. Or you know what the, my favorite thing he ever did that wasn't Liberty Meadows? Which, come on, man. Start doing that again, would you? Start doing Liberty Meadows again? Yes. I don't think that's what pays the bills, man. You know, that's what he Probably did in college. Probably not. And, well, he did it after he did college. He did it for image as well, but... It sprung out of the work that he did in college, and I don't think anybody's really, besides yourself, really uh, breaking down the door for more Liberty Meadows work. Well, what I liked about that was that he got to um, essentially be a writer as well and really flex his comedic chops, Mm -hmm. which uh, I felt like in a peculiar way was kind of scratching that Calvin and Hobbes itch in a in a really weird, pervy kind of way. There was there was a charm that was reminiscent of Calvin and Hobbes. I, I realized the content was more mature, 
but there was just something about it. Also, the art style kind of leaned into that. Paul, you look incredible tonight, by the way, if I could just take a second and tell you that. Thanks, buddy. Um, this isn't the best light. Well, you know, you let the Instagram users be the judge of that. Is this Instagram? Is that where these pictures are going? <sighs> if I could ever get a good one. Okay. I could try to take one for you. Maybe. After the show. It's not good radio. But, Ian. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm listening, so continue. I think that uh, that what Frank Cho was doing when he was doing Liberty Meadows, not when mm-hmm. it was a college project, but when it was a legitimate uh, comic strip, which it was a syndicated comic strip, if you recall, that was like in all the major papers. Uh, what are those? Well, I mean, it was in the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Uh, every Sunday it was in there. Papers. Hmm. Newspaper. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, this was back before, you know, like, you know, when newspapers still were Do you like still a get thing. a newspaper, Matt? Well, I've never gotten one. My really? my dad got the newspaper. I never yeah. had a subscription to it. What, have you ever had a subscription to it? Uh, me myself, no. But my family did. For right? Years yeah, and years. that's not you. Yeah, I guess not. I still I felt ownership to it. I kept a lot of those papers. I so. loved Sunday comics, by the way. I did. I I would I would commandeer them out of the out of the Sunday paper and I would read pretty much every one until I got to like Beetle Bailey and then I was like, what am I doing? Yeah, I was more of a sports section guy. Like I would keep sports sections for years and years and years. I still have all of the sports sections um, for the football season of the Post-Gazette from 1995. I, you know what, I know, I know there was the one when the, when the Steelers won the AFC championship game and there was a picture of Ernie Mills and uh, was it Charles Johnson standing next to each other? And the big headline was, here we go. And it was they were going to go to the Super Bowl and eventually you know, get beaten by the Dallas Cowboys. Unfortunately. But, yeah. But anyway. Newspapers. Yeah, so Frank Cho, his Liberty Meadows comic strip was syndicated in the newspapers and then they did the image comic which was a lot of fun it was a little bit raunchier you could get away with more and I was like man I really like the way he draws these characters and then he always drew uh, Brandy as the voluptuous beautiful woman and it was like man I would like to see him draw a real comic book and then he started doing it his cartoon character like like as you mentioned they always um they had a lot of uh, personality to them they did harken back to a um the to some of the stuff that we liked back in the 80s um so but yeah the thing is once he started drawing comic books i realized that i i started to see his limitations and uh, paul i know you're thinking Frank Cho has no limitations, but he does. His I'm, dr- I'm curious what limitations you think he has. Well, I'm, I don't think. I know it. Um, um, uh, let me rephrase. I'm curious, I'm curious to what you perceive as limitations. Uh, I feel like his, his drawings are rather stiff. They're extremely posed. There, there seems to not be a whole lot of that like kinetic energy on the page. Uh, they're all good drawings. They're all tight. They're you know proportionately accurate, but they always feel kind of like like th- it's action that was just set up and posed in that way, 
and not like it was captured, if that makes any sense. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I, I think he does a really good job of um, setting up the scene, and he he has interesting layouts, and, and his panels always uh, are always move the action along. Agreed. I don't think I don't see any of those as perceived limitations, though. Uh, but I but I do maintain that his action and and movement is a bit stiff and posed, which you wouldn't automatically think. But if I feel like if you really study it, you you really see it. It's not. I don't believe it's my imagination. He's not a perfect artist, but I think that he does a really. I I don't know all the comic work that I've read. The full comics that he he's done, um, X Men Schism is a good. Um, he I think he did two or three of those issues. He they, was doing the Mighty Avengers for a while, and he did New Avengers for a while. I think he did a really great job at that. I I guess I can kind of see some stiffness in some of the figures that he does, but I don't know. It, it's I, like his his artwork though, to me, is begging to just kind of break out of that that stiffness and and just be a little bit more than what it is and i don't know if it's like a comfort zone thing here's an interesting fun fact about his artwork do you know Mm -hmm. that he inks his own work and he inks it with a micron pen yes i did know that okay and that i think he has a series of them that's how he gets a lot of those the line work that he has i think he has very distinct line work his ink work is some of the best out there and he also is uh putting together a book of ballpoint pen illustrations where he they're disgusting disgustingly awesome yeah Yeah. where he he's just going over he does um sort of a a style of cross hatching to build in texture and depth and i don't know when that book's coming out but it it's um it's it's really it's a real unique style Mm -hmm. that i don't think a lot of people um have seen or ever tried to emulate before. So mm-hmm. it's that sounds cool. interesting. Well, anyway, Frank Cho, patron saint of the Mixos Comic Podcast, Dan Slot, the, the right, the the yin to his yang is Dan Slot, the patron demon of the Mixos <clears throat> Comic Podcast, and he has been granted the powers of being the writer of the returning Fantastic Four comic book. Marvel decided. They cut off their nose to spite their face. They got rid of the comic book because they didn't have the movie rights for the Fantastic Four. But now that it's under new leadership, under new management, what's what's the uh, guy's name? The um, editor in chief, CB Sabolski. Sabolski, that's it. He said, "Hey, we want the Fantastic Four. Well, now we're getting it. Who better to go on it? The guy that destroyed Spider-Man. <laughs> now." <laughs> What what a wonderful return to the Fantastic Four. Hey, it's almost like it's almost like they were Marvel was like, how can we fuck up the Fantastic Four even more than not publishing it at all? Dan Slott, he's perfect. So what's Dan Slott gonna do to the Fantastic Four? A lot of people loved his Spider Man run. I didn't read it. But I'm just playing devil's advocate. Like, there's a lot of Spider-Man fans that loved what he did on that book. Mm-hmm. You two, not in that demographic, right? I so mean, there's from a lot of Marvel standpoint. Like, right. this isn't this isn't like let's tank the Fantastic Four. Totally hear you. They're, just like there's a lot of DC fans that love what they're doing with the Green Lanterns. 
I don't I don't know who. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, the four real Green Lanterns are in good hands. They're but wait, wait, those other you, two why, fake why are Green you, Lanterns. Wait, wait, hold on. They're a disaster. How are you the one that gets to determine who the fake and the real Green Lanterns are? Because I have a Green Lantern tattoo. Huh. Well, is that ah. all it takes? <clears throat> so whatever you have a tattoo of, you are the authority. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. So I guess the um, Dan Slott, Sarah Pacelli reboot of the Fantastic Four. Sarah Pacelli, great artist. Is going to take place in the Marvel's Fresh Start relaunch. Um and I guess this is coming out in August of this year. Um, no real news other than some artwork that's been posted and just the creative team that's been assembled. It looks like it's, you know, it's it's not some kind of remix of, of the Fantastic Four. It's going to be the traditional uh, team that we've seen before. Are we excited at all about this? Do we think that there's any kind of possibility that this could be the kind of Fantastic Four book that we'd want to latch on to and read for years and years and years. Um, I'd like to get it. I'd like to check it out. Yeah. Uh, I don't have the, I don't have that dance slot, that dance slot bias. Uh, maybe he's gonna treat, maybe his vision for Fantastic Four is different than what it is for Spider-Man. Maybe it would be more in line with what you guys think should happen in a Fantastic Four book. I like the Fantastic Four as characters, as a team, so I'm willing to give it a go when that when that book's released, just based on liking the characters. No matter who they put on it, I would probably check it out. Is there a particular fantastic version of Fantastic Four that you really like over another one? Or um, I love the short-lived Mark Wade, Mike Waringo run from the what was that? Mid two thousands, late two thousands, early two thousands, early two thousand two or three. Yeah, yeah, I I really liked I really liked that run. I think it I, um I think like the the Fantastic Four brand and the Baxter Building were under some like financial distress. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was it was more of a realistic story about the characters than it was uh, like all the crazy wacky other dimensional shit that they do. Yeah. Which is part isn't of that, like, who the Fantastic, the Fantastic Four are. Yeah, like, isn't that part and parcel? When you write a Fantastic Four story, you're going to have some, you know, negative, negative zone shit and some dimension traveling, maybe some time warp yeah. shit. And I think that's the key to writing good Fantastic Four is that you need to... You need to be able to write all that crazy, insane, wacky shit and keep the humanity and the relatability of those characters intact when you're going to the negative zone and fighting the mole man and all that nonsense. Paul, did you ever read uh, Mark Miller's uh, Marvel Knights 4? No. You should, because I feel like what you just described is what you get in that. And it's my personal favorite run on Fantastic Four. Uh, although the ultimate Fantastic Four was was quite good as well, I like the Mark Miller Brian Hitch Fantastic Four run. I thought that was uh, that was pretty cool. They had a it had some of the dimension hopping and 
time bending stuff that I mentioned before. I think a version of Doctor Doom comes b- back from the future to help them stop some global annihilation shit. And um, I always, I'm always a fan of Brian Hitch's artwork, so that was probably my favorite version. What are we gonna get? What you're looking for? Do you think from Dan Slot here, Paul? I don't know enough about Dan Slot to say, but well, I can I mean, tell you who, here. Here's what you need to know about Dan Slot. He basically held captive Spider-Man in a dungeon for 10 years, slowly ruining him and malnourishing him to the point where he was unrecognizable by the end of it. Yeah, he made some choices that I I wouldn't have made. With all that said, I mean, he, he basically did things that were not... Spider-Man, right? Like he was doing things that went completely against status quo of what Spider-Man is. Now, uh, are we going to get Dan Slott working on Fantastic Four and he's going to remove all the dimension hopping and have it the Fantastic Four be street-level characters suddenly? Um, you know, a struggling family of four who can barely pay the bills for their... Uh, no bedroom studio apartment in in Hell's Kitchen. Or are we gonna get like the classic Jack Kirby style? You know what do you think? I don't think we're gonna get the Roseanne four. I think that we're <laughs> going to. He'll at least put them back in the Baxter Building. I think there's the Langford of, Building. Yeah, I. I mean. Outside of Spider-Man, I don't know a ton of Dan Slott's work. Right. Now... Um, I read some Ren and Sarah Stimpy's Pacelli's going to draw Invisible Woman as Sarah Chalk in, <laughs> in the second round. <laughs> ben Grimm is Roseanne Barr. That would be pretty cool. I'd like that. Um, yeah, I read some uh, Dan Slott. He did some Ren and Stimpy issues in the early 90s that were you know pretty good. I'm, I'm going to say I'm going to give it up to him. But I don't really know what he's capable of. Outside of fucking up my favorite character, so well he had a he had a run on uh, Silver Surfer over the last several years that, um, you know I kind of dropped in and out on a few Mm -hmm. times, and it was actually pretty decent. Uh, I know I'm extremely hard on Dan Slott because of what he did to Spider Man, who Ian, you and I are (laughs) kind of protective of that character. Anybody else, I'd probably have a heck of a lot less problem. I'd be a lot more indifferent to him. I I don't necessarily think he's a bad writer. I just think he was wildly out of touch with what Spider-Man is. I'm actually interested in what he may or may not do with the Fantastic Four, but I think the most interesting aspect, or the part that would excite me the most, Dan Slott's the most interesting part, but the most exciting aspect is Sarah Pacelli drawing it. Uh, Yeah, She's a great artist and I think that she will she would bring a lot to any superhero comic book so I it's cool I think it's cool I will actually check it out and I think it's a good turn for Marvel just to simply be bringing back have have the um, awareness that they have one of the great franchises in all of comic book history 
why put it on the bench? Bring it back, put it into circulation again, and have some people work on it and bring new fans into the fold. Well, there's the rumor that Disney is buying Fox. Fox currently has the rights to the Fantastic Four. Is it going to be made official this summer around the time when this comic book is going to launch? And then now... Marvel I think it's can... August whenever the announcements is is supposed to hit. So really, that's lo- right in line with when this. Yeah, I mean, well, well who, played, who, Marvel. Who yeah. So, uh, you know, Dan Slot is very. If I could point to one particular person that has colored my overall vibe on comic books over the last ten years. Well, it might actually be Brian Michael Bendis. <laughs> but Dan Slott played a major role just because of what he did to Spider-Man. Which I think plays a big part in our overall, or my at least my overall comics malaise. Like, it, Spider-Man's a small part of it, but but it's kind of indicative of like the problems that Marvel in general had where they just weren't understanding the characters and... Um, making changes that were were so drastic to me that I felt alienated, you know? Like, it didn't just happen in Spider-Man, but it happened in all the Marvel books. And, mm-hmm. Ian, you and I have always kind of been Marvel guys before DC. And um, when, you know, your your favorite stable of heroes isn't treated the way that you expect them to for a long time... I think it's going to slowly like eat away at your fandom a bit. Yeah, I would agree with that. I don't know if it's, I don't know if I personally have just, just don't have the same interest in all of the um, just bits of pop culture that I used to. I don't know if, if it is mainly because of Marvel kind of treating its characters badly. It, I, I feel like it bleeds into everything. I don't, Really watch The Walking Dead like I like I used to. I don't really care about the Marvel Netflix products like I used to. Well, you know, does that mean that shit just runs its course? Maybe. Like things are not infinite. Like maybe well, maybe those superheroes were perfect to us at a particular time, but they go on. But our favorite period for them is like. You know, when you and I were maybe 17 years old. But we had enough of a burning interest in all of this stuff, even, you know, what, five years ago, to be like, ah, let's let's talk about comic books every single week for infinity. We thought that we would still be able to sustain talking about it for that long because we had been fans for so many decades. That's true. But here's the thing. Back then, I remember you too, Paul. Wake up! I'm awake. Okay, my eyes are open. Okay, was were they? Yeah, I had one of them at least. Was. <laughs> I had one eyes, one eye closed because I was looking at my my slipper laces. <laughs> ah, is that I guess how you we, have to look at slipper laces with one eye. I guess. Well, I was trying to like you know imaginary imaginarily thread one through the other with just my feet. We must be riveting. I'm just saying. <laughs> No, I'm in. I, I like I like where this is um, going. I'm, I'm so all in. When we started this podcast, fucking multitasking asshole. <laughs> How 
How is that a task? Because I'm doing one thing while I'm doing the other. Multitasking doesn't mean you're actually doing tasks. You're just thinking about stupid shit. Yeah, while you're talking about stupid shit. Get on with it. So you, when we started this podcast, you were both huge fans of what Marvel was doing at the time. You both loved Marvel at that particular time. I think, Ian, you said that that was about the best Marvel comics had ever been. That wasn't that long ago. Yeah, I I, I think, you know, art-wise, story-wise, I think the um, early to mid-2000s really was a golden age for not just Marvel comics, but all comics in general. I think it was like the peak of storytelling in comic books. You know, you might be right with that. I, I mean, that's when the Ultimate Universe was new, and when it was new, it was very, very exciting. I thought that some of the regular Marvel books, um, mainly, I, I know we were just talking about Bendis, but New Avengers, I thought, breathed a new kind of life into the Avengers franchise and got me excited about them like I never was before. You weren't a big, like, Kurt Busiek, George Perez? Not at all. I kind of no. thought, I thought the Avengers were corny back in the 90s. Like, it was a book that I was like, well, fucking Avengers, like... I, I laughed at it. I was like, I'm not buying the Avengers. I thought that Kurt Busiek, George Perez one run was actually good. I'm sure I'm sure it was. I think with a more critical eye, I probably would appreciate it. Um, I know you're a big Kurt Busiek fan. Um, I just didn't I just didn't like the Avengers back in the 90s. It just it I didn't like. I thought Captain America was cheesy. I think Black Knight was part of the group back then. Thought he was kind of stupid. Like Vision's always kind of like not my favorite. So. In comparison to what was happening over with the X-Men that had all the artists and all the cool characters, it just they just paled in comparison for me. Mm -hmm. I so. remember at that time, the artwork in Marvel Comics was very dark. Mm -hmm. it, it didn't have a whole lot of dynamism to it at that particular time. Like It felt like they had really gotten... In the early gotten, 2000s yeah, you're talking about? Yeah, they had really gotten away from um, you know how to draw comics the Marvel way. Uh, if you remember that art book that is really basic, but at the same time, it's it's filled with such important fundamentals to me that, like, if you're a comic book artist, you should read it. Um, I thought that they were doing some different things with Marvel. And, yeah, they were getting away from some of that traditional Marvel stuff. But I thought that it changed it. It, it reinvigorated the brand. <clears throat> Right. For me, at least. I, right. I like some of that dark and gritty shit, so. Right. All the Marvel Knights stuff. Um, the Marvel Knights stuff started, actually, man, that was, that started in 1999. Marvel Knights started mm -hmm. with uh, Daredevil, Paul. It was with, uh, do you remember who wrote that? The first Marvel Knights comic Little book? Are we talking Daredevil? We're, we're yeah, Daredevil. Was that uh, Kevin Smith and Joe Quesada? Cool. Yep. Little podcast yep. guy. Mm. Did you read that? Yeah. Did you like it? Yeah, I own it. Fascinating. So, but why are we tired of comic books now? Well, Matt, you you don't seem to be tired of comic books now. You I, seem to be ready to ready for the next next thing next thing going. Well, I mean, I, I think that the way that the Marvel characters have been altered over the years have really uh, hurt my general interest. I think some of my favorite characters right now uh, are not 
very accessible to me. Like I want to read Batman. Batman is one of my favorite superheroes. I think both Batman books stink. I think the entire bat line is too bloated and, and out of control. Uh, Superman is another character that I haven't really enjoyed, um, since before, um, the new 52. Um, I, you know, Spider-Man hasn't been readable for 10 years. These are some of my favorite characters, some of the biggest characters. You know, I, I love the Incredible Hulk, but it's not really the Incredible Hulk, at least not yet. Um, and it, and I didn't really like it back in the early 2000s when I felt like it was drawn on black paper. It felt so dark. Uh, I didn't like the Planet Hulk stuff. Um, you know, the like they just relaunched the Punisher series. I wanted to check in on that, but he's dressed up as War Machine. It's like, that ain't oh. the Punisher. Mm. And it it's just like these constant things that are happening to some of, some of my favorite characters that are killing my buzz on it. And I don't know if that's just, you know what? I don't, just because like I liked a character or a series at a, at a given time, that doesn't mean that that's the way it always is. That maybe just was the way it was when I really liked it. I don't know. Um, maybe this stuff has always been evolving to some degree. And, uh, you know, we, we kind of latch on to what our favorite moment in time was and, and, it's difficult to deviate or on the flip side, I don't know what the answer here is, but like maybe they did screw with stuff too much. See some, sometimes I, you know, especially when we talk about star Wars stuff, I wonder if like, you know what, maybe I'm just locked into, I'm locked into 77 to 83, locked into the original trilogy and like nothing any, like that's like, and that's how that's, I'm, I'm locked into that, that stuff and there's no way out. But then I look at how other things I like have been treated from the from when I was a kid up until now, and there's been other things that have been really good that I'm not locked into one certain era, mm-hmm. that I'm able to branch out and read new things, new different things. Um, I've loved Pete Tomasi and Patrick Gleason's Superman run. It's a different Superman. He has a kid. He's a dad now. Totally different book. Same Superman. So, like, I, I, like, I don't think, I don't think I'm the problem. Shocker. So, like, no. when, when I'm mad at Star Wars, it's because I think they can, they can absolutely make something I like, but they're not doing it. Because DC's done it with characters who have been in and out of favor with me. Uh, Marvel's done it. You know, other, other properties have done it. That uh, IDW Transformers book I read, there's a lot of really cool stuff in there. A lot of really dumb stuff, but a lot of really cool stuff in there too that, you know, even though I'm I'm ardent Generation 1 Transformers fan, um, there are some really cool steps taken away from that that feel very genuine. So, like, I, there are ways to do that and keep me interested. Uh, Robert Venditti is... A perfect example when he took over Green Lantern after the greatest Green Lantern run of all time, it was garbage. He did everything he could to go away from what Jeff Johns did. He essentially tore it all down. I stopped reading it. I, I hated it. But then they relaunched Rebirth. He was still on it, and he built everything back up. He put it all back together, and he's writing a book now that I love reading. Do you think that maybe we just? 
<laughs> our expectations to love and have the things from our childhood maintain the quality that we expect from them forever and ever and ever into infinity is wrong. I I think maybe that might be a case. Well, of like, it's not if if that's what if that's what I just sounded like. That's not what I mean. Uh, nothing because nothing's ever going to be the original. I'm not trilogy. saying that. I'm just nothing speculating. I'm just saying. Right. I'm asking a question. Nothing's ever going to be Christopher Reeve Superman, but I really enjoy some new stuff. But like, I just like for some reason with you know comics now. I just like uh, I'm not fired up to go get books. And there's books coming out I like. I love White Knight. That's been a really good book. Um, there's stuff that I like reading, but I'm like, eh, I'll, I'll get to it. Is it maybe the oversaturation of of comics into pop culture, and it's where it, it used to be sort of like a small ish club. Now it's, it's the like main underground. Yeah, yeah, like you, which is you know what Star Wars whatever, was too. Yeah, yeah, I I agree with that. You know how you know your favorite band that you discovered. That one time that you went to a show and they opened for a bigger band and you were like, these guys are fucking awesome. And you followed them around and you you, you bought their, their... Hey, man, that's the way their, I felt about The Walking Dead. Is, and and is, look at it now. Is that how comics in general and Star Wars and all of our things are now? Because the mass media has gotten hold of it now. I guess we all have a little, everywhere have a little hipster our, in us. I don't, yeah. I don't think that's the case with comic books because no. there's... I think comics have turned into a, a very separate delineation between people that know the Marvel Cinematic Universe and comic book fans. Because there's still plenty of comic book fans and podcasts out there that get into the minutiae of artists, writers, letters, panel breakdown, like issue-to-issue issue storytelling that really dig into comic books mm-hmm. th- that... You know, your most ardent Marvel Cinematic Universe fan would know nothing about. But, like, Star Wars. Star Wars is mass media accessible to everybody. Like, there's no there's no super niche area of Star Wars, but there still is for comic books. I mean, I suppose you can... There are Star Wars novel fans out there. But, you know, comics come out on a regular basis, you know, week to week. Like, there's still there's still a big difference between people that know Robert Downey Jr. and, you know, people that know Eric Larson. Yeah. Yeah. I... I think you make... A good point. I feel like um, I do feel like you are locked into uh, a, a particular time when you when you liked stuff. Maybe more than Ian or myself. Um, Though I just cited a handful of examples that prove the opposite of that. Uh, I I know, but I do feel like. In a lot of like, for example, you just also said nothing's ever going to top Christopher Reeve. Well, why not? Well, why could that never happen? Because that 
because that's that's a uh, sentimental because you're locked into a certain time. Like I just I, said. yeah, that I I don't have control over that, but I can absolutely look past that. And I love Henry Cavill. I think he's fucking great. I would love a really good Henry Cavill Superman. Yeah. But when I picture Superman, it's gonna be Christopher Reeve. Like I'm not. I'm not shutting down everything okay. because I oh, love okay. Christopher Reeve. If, like, uh, you know, there's there's plenty of plenty of stuff that I think is vi- very viable now that I enjoy. Right. Okay, that's fair. Like you, you really like the new uh, Man of the new. It came out like four decades ago. Man of Steel, Henry yes. Cavill's Man of Steel. Um, what are like? Give me what's the last comic book that you read? Like. Not the last one, but one of the more recent ones that you were just blown away by. You were just crazy excited about. One of the best you ever read. Uh, White Knight. Scott, uh, Scott, Sean Murphy's White Knight series. Uh, it's like an adult version of the animated series. That's awesome. It's like uh, he, all the characters are based on on that they're all like updated a little more adult I would versions. Say it's, There's deeper backstory. But isn't yeah, isn't I, the Joker the the hero? Uh sorta. Yeah, I would He's say the main that character. It's, that it's definitely more of a contemporary version of Batman. It takes a look at so so there's this guy that goes around and destroys the city willy nilly with no regulation and has no rules. He's Batman. And it takes a look at... So, logistically, like, how would that work? What would a city have to do to figure out how to, like, pay for all the stuff that Batman does? How would people in maybe some of the lower-class areas of the city where Batman comes and, and fights crime and probably is looked at as sort of like a terrorist... How would those people feel about Batman? And whenever the Joker sort of starts turning his life around and starts like um, basically talking about this to people and telling Gotham like that, like I'm not the problem. I'm not the the crazy person. I I had some I had sick uh, sickness and now I'm, I'm I'm a little bit better. But Batman's out here completely unrestrained by any kind of government oversight doing all this damage to your communities. What are you guys going to do about it? I think it's an interesting take on Batman. Batman definitely isn't the hero in this. So, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely an updated, I wouldn't say it's the animated series. It's good. Like the animated series, but it's definitely a different take on the Batman. um, Right. But that's what, that's what all, all Murphy's designs, all the character designs are based on, the animated yeah, series designs. Sure. All the characters in it are animated series characters. It thoughtfully explains why, you know, Harley Quinn, you know, looks pretty different in different versions. You know, the traditional version of Harley Quinn is way different than the new movie, uh, you know, hot topic version of Harley Quinn. They go into basically that's two people and the Joker was so insane that he didn't even realize that it was two different people. And I think that's a meta commentary on fandom that, yeah, <laughs> the movie version of Harley Quinn has nothing to do with the original version. Ian, of this Quinn. sounds so good. I want to stop 
podcasting and read it right now. It's great, Matt. You you should read it. I think you would enjoy it. It sounds I don't think really you would. good. You don't think you would enjoy it? Okay, well. Why is that? Because we really love it. You're an idiot. That's fair. I mean, I, I want you to, but I think That's, I think you'll read it so and you'll dumb. like shrug and you'll go, I don't know. It just didn't really do it for me. Or you'll think like the art's static and there no, wasn't Sean enough dy- dynamism. pretty fucking awesome. Yeah, but art. so's Frank Cho, but Matt has some problems with Frank Cho. No, no. I, I cited uh, some of his limitations. I think Sean Murphy in your eyes would have the same limitations. I mean, that's fair. I didn't say that that Frank Cho was a crappy artist. Oh, I know. Okay. I don't think you'll think Sean Murphy is a crappy artist either. I just don't think. But I still dislike the comic you. book. Yeah, I I just I don't think you'd really be into it. It's okay. very. It's I don't think it's traditional enough for you. You like like traditional heroes and characters and I do. like comic book stories. This isn't really a comic book story i know that's super vague and those are like very loose loose uh descriptions right well this is something that matt would like because the sean murphy white knight universe is so popular that the dc informally calls it the murphy verse right because it it while it does have um a lot of traditional strains to it it does stray a lot from regular batman um, the regular Batman universe, and he's kind of set up. If they allow him to continue this universe, if he would do a follow up, he has a few rules. One, when somebody dies, they stay dead. Period. Every, two, every book comes out on time. Three, no narration bubbles in or balloons. In I'm that, out. Unless it's a flashback. <laughs> no. Four, no excessive amounts of variance to burden comic shops. Um, at most, there will be a main cover and a variant. Wait, this Sean Murphy dude is like making like the DC rules. Like, you know, what I mean, he's the writer. He's, he's is he right. really the guy that gets to determine no variants. The, the comic book will cost two ninety nine. I think this book is doing well enough that he can kind of and has such a, a fervent yeah. fan reaction mm-hmm. that fans that DC is may listen to him. Um, five. One awesome vehicle every book. Who gives a fuck about vehicles? That seems like a really dumb stipulation. Sean Murphy's and, and a six, big no complicated, car guy. No complicated tie-ins with other series or events. So all of those rules are right up Matt's alley. Yeah, like Matt, I, I, I want you to love it. I, I think it's great. Because like, that's, the, that's the book I'm most excited about currently yeah. when, it, when it comes out. What about you, Ian? What's gotten you excited recently? I really like that outside of uh, comics because I haven't been reading a ton of comic books. Um, the thing that I've been most interested in lately is uh, the FX show Atlanta. Um, Lando, Lando's own personal show there. Um, it's Donald Glover. He's the writer and star of Atlanta. It's about the... Uh, it follows... Donald Glover's character, Ern, who is uh, a manager for his cousin, who is a, a, star, a fledgling rapper in Atlanta. And it kind of follows along their journey. But it takes a lot of side, side detours around regular sitcom and drama. 
Um, there's just weird stuff in it. There's a rapper that drives an invisible car in Atlanta. <laughs> there's uh, they they go to this this really strange like Oktoberfest style um, kind of celebration um, in 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 Atlanta with a, a a lot of like weird costumes and characters. The latest episode, uh, Teddy Perkins is sort of commentary on Michael Jackson. And they ran it on FX for 45 uninterrupted, no commercials, nothing like that. It's sort of like uh, one of the characters goes to this mansion to buy a piano and runs into this reclusive superstar, Teddy Perkins, who does all the skin bleaching stuff and has a weird sort of damaged past. And it plays out like a horror movie. And I thought it was one of the greatest 45 minutes of television that I've seen in a very long time. Sounds great. Um, so I think that Donald Glover is, he, he's had success in sketch comedy. He's had success as a, uh, a singer and a rapper. Um, he's he's going to be in a Star Wars film. And Atlanta is sort of like his brainchild and his, his baby. And it I think it's, it's a really inventive and creative show. Is he it, from Atlanta? I believe so. And... It um it it just really is uh it really speaks a lot to um you know his his experience in Atlanta as uh, just as a black person and I think that it's 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 really great TV if anyone out there has a chance to check it out or hasn't hasn't seen it or heard of it it's it's a pretty awesome show on FX so that's what I've been most excited about. I thought the I thought the question was comic book you were excited about. Oh, I prefaced it with, "Hey, I'm excited about White Knight." I help you talk about White Knight because that's probably the comic book that I'm most excited about. But other than that, I mean, I haven't been reading a ton of comics. I've I read Doom Patrol a little bit, um, but yeah, that's the thing that I'm most excited. I wish there about. were more hours in the day to get to all of the. Uh, all of the television that I'd like to watch. Because I really would like to watch Atlanta, but it just... Like so many hours in the day. I feel you, buddy. I feel you. That Every time you ask me, did you watch this? And I say no. I know. I'm watching other, th- other things, man. That episode that you referenced, the Michael Jackson episode, could, could one watch that without having seen the other episodes? Absolutely. Um, it's a standalone episode. You don't need to know anything about any of the characters. The only recurring character that is in the episode for a long time is Darius. Um, and he's just there to buy a piano. And that's all you really need to know. Um, and in the episode, Donald Glover plays the Teddy Perkins character. But in the credits, he's credited at Teddy Perkins as Teddy Perkins himself. And, and it's it's just a real haunting um, just look at what happens to people whenever they're childhood stars and they're celebrities and how that amount of fame can kind of like twist people and change them and, and make them really, really sad, lonely people, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Yeah, it it is a standalone episode. If you have um on demand, check it out. Like you can just watch it and uh and and take it all in. So, yeah. It's 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 
like I said, it's sort of like a horror kind of. Sounds really cool. Yeah. So, Matt, what have you been watching, listening to, reading? Um, nothing that's gotten me overly excited, honestly. Like, there's not a whole lot on the horizon that has me super excited. And I think that kind of plays into the malaise, right? Like, um, a lot of the times it takes like that, that big, um, event kind of thing for me. You know, a lot of times it's a star Wars movie, uh, with Han Solo coming out while it looks very good. It's, it's not the same kind of energy that you would get going into, you know, like probably episode nine or something like that. Um, I'm, you know, I'm reading a novel that is kind of hard to get through for me. It's sort of on the boring side. It's, um, it's a Forgotten Realms book. I finally decided to try R.A. Salvatore's, um, Legend of Drizzt. Ugh, that name's and, so terrible. Yeah, D-R-I-Z-Z-T. Uh, it's, it's tough to get through it. It's not yeah. that it's bad. It's just not great. Um, you know, it sounds dense from what you were describing to me. It and- starts that way. It begin once you get through almost the textbook like style of the of the novel of the first several chapters, it begins to fall into telling the story because now you can kind of speak that language, like you know the different houses of the the quote unquote country. Um, that these dark elves live in and, and the, how they live underground and, and how the, you know, the other world, like people and other creatures live above them on the surface of the world. And things just begin to kind of make sense when you first start reading it. It's like, it's, you're reading another language, but if you stick with it, it begins to kind of come together a little bit. And you um, did yourself a favor by getting like the visual guide to I, it. I did that, but I've been very careful not to go too far because I think it's filled with spoilers. Mm. Um, so I've tried to really limit where I go in this book. They break it down like characters and, and plate. I mostly look at like places and maps and things like that that are in it to get a broader understanding. But I, I'm careful not to read too much about character bios because it might tell you, oh, and this character was killed in this novel or whatever. And it's like, I don't want to know that yet. Um, or if it'll also give you synopsis, synopses of uh, books. Synopsis? <laughs> synopses. It sounds like you're saying Nazis kind of. Synopses. Synop. Synop. It gives Synopsis. you a brief breakdown of how the Jews are bad. <laughs> yep. Is that what happens? That's, that's it. The Nazis. And, and then when you're done reading it, you burn it. Oh, too soon. No, I meant the book. Not the... Too so, soon, or if you're a Holocaust denier, never, never soon. Never happened. I was told that 22% of millennials don't know what the Holocaust was. But that, that doesn't true. mean that they don't that they deny it, which is right, which is more shocking, which is even right, which is even more shocking. But the fact that people don't know what it is is it blows my mind. Well, is there a purposeful effort to make people not know things in this country? Yeah, but it's around all the time. Even though there's, uh, even though there is, you know, purposeful effort to make people not know things, there's the other side. 
pushing back just as vehemently. I don't think as vehemently. Like, that other side doesn't make the textbooks. Yeah, but, like... Yeah, well, but I I just mean, like, if you're a millennial and you're on social media... Right. You should absolutely... You go to holocaust.com. How do you not know, how do you not, not, not know what the Holocaust is? I want to check out the latest Holocaust concentration camp Instagram. Yeah, what, what, <laughs> yeah, are they snapping from fucking... <laughs> from the showers. From the showers. Yeah, like, it's not something, like, that happened of a while ago, my man, and... Like it's not, yeah. But it's not something that's in front of the millennial view. But all the time, every um. Well, I I don't know the percentages on if they know who Hitler is, but if you know who Hitler is, sure you know do. what the Holocaust is. They, they go hand not, in they hand. Might not. They but they might not. They, they might know who just, it is. They keep saying the president is Hitler. Yeah, yeah, and they're like, oh, he's that guy. He's he's like that. Guy. <laughs> but they don't know what a concentration camp is. They may not. I mean, like, how well, maybe far, not that deep. How far do you think that their um, intellectual curiosity is? Didn't they see X two? They. <laughs> you the realize that, in, in fairness that was X two came out when they were two years old. Or no, it was two thousand. Maybe not. What year did that come out? Oh, I thought you were right. Two thousand three. I think it was 2003. 2003. 2003. Okay. So anyway, so Matt loves <laughs> Jews. I do. Like I love all people. I love Jews. Love dark hair, dark eyes. That's dark features. Very right terrible over here. for you to just you know narrow them down by. But actually, very much you to just be like superficial <laughs> things. But yeah, Ian. Getting back to your question, what am I super excited about? Um, yes. I don't know. Maybe um, one thing that I'm kind of excited about. I think the new Spider-Man video game is going to be pretty cool. That on, does look pretty cool on PlayStation Four. You know what? If only, if only you had the means to play such a game. Well, thankfully. Aren't you guys appalled that that fucking costume is dog shit? It does it looks look like bad. he rolled around in dog shit <laughs> and is fighting crime wearing dog shit. Oh no, it's dog shit man. Dog shit man. What is he? What is, does he shoot webs or does he shoot dog shit? Probably shoots piss. <laughs> He doesn't even stick to anything. He just slides and makes it wet. Um, Do- dog shit man. Reminds me. Dog shit man. Do you remember the... Shoots the piss. Do you remember the Savage Dragon character called Dung? I do remember Dung. And he, and he had shit cannons on his arms, Wasn't Paul? He, he, he was also made out of Dung or no? No, no. He was just a guy, but he wore like a, a metal suit with cannons for arms. I thought, yeah, and, okay. And they yeah. would blast shit out of him. And his name Because Eric Dung. Larson was just like, hey, man, I made it up whenever I was eight and it's going on the page. Yep. Where was the shit coming from? I guess he might have had some shit canisters or something on his back or maybe it was within the. Okay. Where. Is he I, filling the shit canister? Okay, well, this is... This is it is his where, own shit? No, it was a um, actually a multi-dimensional device on his back that pulled from the shit universe an unlimited amount of shit that just poured out of these cannons. Are you making this up? Yeah. Yes, I just made that up. But does that make you feel better? 
I'm, that's every just time, as plausible every as time else. we talk Savage Dragon, Paul's like, "Well, I need to know the logistics here, so I, well, that way I can understand." I mean, this shit's really dumb. Fucking the actuary McGinty just fucking <laughs> taking taking notes on. All so right. there, so he just shot on a scale shit. one was to no, ten. How savage are you? There was no where yeah, does right. the shit come from. It was just he shot. Nobody shit. gives a fuck because he didn't. He didn't Savage Dragon like beat him up in one issue, right? Yeah, yeah. It was issue yeah, thirty nine. Fucking matter. I don't know how deep down the well Eric Larson's going in his shit fetish. His shedish? Well, based on the comic book, he has several fetishes. What is up with that, man? I don't know. I don't know. His Right now, that comic book borders on pornography. I It's so bad that I'm like, should I be getting this? Because Do you get it? No, I don't get it, but it's so fucking crazy that I'm like, he's putting shaving pussies on the cover? I might need to fucking get really? involved. Matt, isn't there a cover out there for a solicitation next next month? It has his the Savage Dragon's wife sitting on his shoulder and she's wearing a shirt that says, Bald is Beautiful. And he has shaving cream on his face, and she has shaving cream on her bush. Yes. Okay. That makes me... That's so offensive to me. Is it offensive, or are you rock hard? Come on, you know me, son. I like a giant bush. (laughs) Get your fucking shaving cream and your razors out of here. But yeah, I think think that... You don't like that? Disgusted. You don't like that cover? No, Old and beautiful, baby. Don't shave that shit. So I think that that Spider-Man game looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. It's been a long time coming. They've been talking about it forever and ever. And now Ian has the means to play it. Uh, he was getting into telling you some new news about what's going on in the, the entertainment system at the Sharpley household. Take yes. it, Ian. Thanks to my wife's work closing. Uh, RIP Toys R Us. She was able to buy a PlayStation 4 for 50% off. Holy shit. So, so what was that? Holy $400? Uh, no, it was like... Uh, oh, like 150 150 yeah. And we got the Star Wars Battlefront edition. So it has some... Is that a pro? The PS4 it w- pro? It was a pro, yeah. No shit. Yeah. So it has like the nice Star Wars logos on it. Came that with a, is awesome, dude. I know. Came with a game, which I am unimpressed with. Maybe, maybe I don't know how to play video games, but I was having a hard time playing Battlefront. Like, I don't like first yeah. person shooters. It's not that great. Yeah. It's, it, like, it it should be, it, but it just isn't. Do you feel like the controls were kind of like wacky and off kilter? Uh, or is this like me? Uh, Maybe a little bit. Like, yeah. it's not... I feel like some of the, when it comes to shooters, like there's some really tight ones. Yeah. Um, like the the Halo games or Destiny, mm-hmm. those feel basically the same because they're like the same developer. At least they kind of were. Yeah. Um. Some of the Call of Duty games are real tight, but I I don't even think those feel as good as like Halo or Destiny. Is a Spider-Man game gonna be first person? No, it's no. third person. It's kind of it's probably like Marvel's answer to the the Arkham games, you know, the Batman series of games for your kind of the camera right behind him. Yeah, yeah. And if it can be as good as that, um then I think we're in for a treat, but I I think it's 
I mean, when was the last good Spider-Man game? Or was there ever? I know we were watching a yeah. video of like the what do Genesis. You mean, was there ever? Are you yeah. talking the Genesis one? That that's probably my favorite. The Amazing Spider-Man on Sega, or no, it was just Spider-Man. Do on you Sega remember Genesis. the one for GameCube? It was like Spider-Man, the movie, the game, or whatever for GameCube. I think that, that came out on really, like all the systems. I I had it for GameCube. It was really awesome. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, you could that swing one was everywhere. Really cool. Yeah, a lot of yeah, yeah, swinging everywhere. A lot of crawling under stuff, if I remember correctly. Also, uh, Marvel Alliance for PlayStation. Was it two PlayStation? Yeah, two? I didn't like that shit. You didn't like that? No, no you didn't like uh, like forming your teams and no. all that shit. No, what 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 didn't you like about that? I don't know. It was like kind of they brought in like RPG elements to to like a game, and I, I feel that like it was fun. I don't know. Maybe if I tried it again. Today, yeah, you can make all the different teams. You can make the Defenders or the Fantastic Four or the new Fantastic Four. With uh, Spider-Man, Ghost Rider, Wolverine. Ooh, remember them from the early 90s, Paul? In- I do. I had every issue. Who was, who was the was fourth never person really in that? I, I forget off the top. Hulk, right? Yeah, Hulk. Hulk. Yeah, Gray Hulk. Hulk, right? Gray Hulk. I believe he was Gray. Yeah. Now, Ian, um, what's the next game? You're, what's what's the first game you're going to buy for your PS4? Oh, it's there's not even a question, Matt. John Madden Football. Are you serious? Yeah, man. I've been really... Really itching to get. I Wait, love is, is that different than EA? No, I mean it, it's it mad, it's just I love that oh, that okay. just so yes. shows Madden that it's been 18. a minute since Ian played Madden because it's not called John Madden. No, football no, no, no. I know it's Madden. I'm just saying. <laughs> I, was, I think it was called John long, Madden Football in, in 1980. That's how long it's been since I was involved in Madden that I in thought the, there had been some split between. Madden and EA that now some company had the rights to John Madden. No, no, no. I, sh- I just should have said fucking Madden. I'm sorry, everybody. That's okay. Um, yeah, I'm just getting Madden 18. Well, wait. Are you excited about that? Yeah, I'm Why? really excited. Why are you excited about that? <laughs> Stupid stuff. Like, when you watch the free agency period and you're like, why is this team doing this dumb thing? Why is this team not drafting this person or why is this team spending this money on these You want to play GM. Or, or, yeah, that's that's what I want to do. That's what I want to do. So, I want to let fucking Le'Veon Bell go and use that 14 mil on fucking defense so, so the Steelers can win the Super Bowl next year. Who's going to run I'm the ball a better for them? GM. Fuck it, anybody. Pay some goddamn so, Darius Geis or whatever right. the fuck his name from so nothing LSU. About, Pay a rookie nothing. Nothing about the actual gameplay. Is getting you excited? It's gonna be same old it's, Madden gameplay. Yeah, it's because the they DM have no stuff. they have no competition. Madden can do what they want, but ha- Madden's been correct crap, or at least same old standard boring for years and years. I now. legitimately hated the PS um, three version. I hated it. I think you stopped playing. I did stop playing, but I'm back and I'm excited. Are you gonna again. Are you gonna let the Are you just gonna let the computer sim the games? You just gonna be GM? You're going to be Kevin Colbert and just sit in the press box and watch it unfold? You're going to watch the Sim games? Matt, do you remember that there was a game that they came out with that basically was that? Yeah, it was uh, NFL Head Coach, yeah. it was called. Wasn't Cower on the cover of the first one? Uh, I think he was. Or either the first or the second. Yeah. Is Kevin Colbert the Steelers GM? He is the Steelers Fuck GM. yes. Maybe there was only one now that I think Maybe. about I it. Maybe. Yeah, I think there was only one because it's a bad idea. <laughs> but 
But, but you um, probably played it and loved it. No, I honestly, I never did. Because so, you can do all that shit in Madden. It sounds like you're going to be the Steelers and you've got some ideas. No, actually, I want to be the Browns because they're so fucked up. And I watched that franchise just fucking just flop around forever and ever. And they have all these resources and you could do so many good things. So you're going to put them back together. I, I feel like I, I feel like I'm qualified. <laughs> when's when's the last time you played Madden? Oh. Oh, I'm sorry. When's the last time you played John Madden, John Madden football? football. <laughs> Clearly 1985. I, I haven't played Madden since holy fucking shit. I haven't played Madden since maybe 2013. So are you confident that the gameplay is similar enough that you're going to be able to jump in, go 15 and one? Well, that's and, not and do what you used to do. No, because I, I, I never could was not. That. I I was a regular NHL player, like I EA yeah. hours and hours and hours. But I could not. I would I would go own eighty two if I played the current game because it's so different. I think I'm going to get destroyed. I think it's going to be worlds different than I expect, even on probably beginners level. I think that they've become too complex for dinosaurs like us. You know, there was, they almost have to, and I know that EA has like tried to, isn't there a dummies mode? Yeah. I think there's like a, like a, like a limited button mode or something, but it just feels like, like fake. Like you're not really playing it. Um, I don't know. Like, it's just such a shame that uh, EA bought the NFL license because it forced them to uh, have no competition, and, yeah. and now they don't they don't drive to create a better football game. They add on silly things. It's like a a new feature that they abandon the next year every year. How the, much is uh, John Madden football these days? Sixty. I would 60. imagine sixty. Sixty bucks. It's hard to believe that that's still the business model, right? Like. You would think maybe with today's updates, like, oh, uh, yeah, I bought the new update for uh, Madden cost, or the new expansion or whatever, cost 30 bucks. Yeah, that's I was surprised by that, too, especially that, since most people thing? download right. the game to, to the console, which is sort of new to me, too. Like, I've downloaded games to my PS3 before, but I think that it's more... Rampant with PS4 and Xbox. Yeah, that, it's kind like of that's the, what people do is they just download. They don't go and actually buy the game. Not really. Yeah. So, but you're gonna buy the game. Uh, I don't know. You're gonna. You might download it. I might download. Are it. there? Do you have to pay for updates? No. N- no. Not is that. Well, what? What? He was saying like downloadable content. Yeah, or maybe like okay. So the new feature this year is, I I don't even know like new quarterback vision remember the the vision code yeah, thing yeah, that they did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. so if you want to like download that, that shit, though i liked all those updates oh you're i know a i know sucker I, I, matt what well, vision what 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 payment model or sales model are, are you questioning the fact that every year they come out with a new game with a limited new feature set uh, and updated rosters and you know like some new interface kind of thing yeah but you don't have to pay for the updates well, if you want the the new year model, you have to buy the whole new game, and that's right. another sixty bucks. What I'm saying is, the changes aren't that drastic from year to year. Where you could probably just have a new update based on the previous year's engine, and 
you know, maybe roll that out for 30 bucks or 20 bucks. But they're making more money this way. But are they? I mean, yeah, you know what? You're probably right. They probably are, but maybe not. I don't know. Like, I didn't buy football this year, but I might have updated mine if it was only 20 bucks. Yeah. Well, can you, but can you roster update for free? You can do roster updates for free. So, really, what you're paying for is a new interface, maybe new features if they change it in owner mode or GM mode, whatever it is, where, like, maybe there's new features as far as. I don't know, like drafting, uh, what that process is like, or maybe there's some new training games that are involved in it. Nutrition mode. I can't right, wait. Nutri- exactly. Like, like that kind of stuff is so boring. You know what I really enjoyed, Ian? I liked the NCAA football better than the league. I never liked it. I, I only bought it a couple of times, and it was when I was in the deep, throws of my Madden addiction because this is I could this is wait. when you could take your NCAA yes. players into Madden. You yes. could yeah, you they, could, you could import your draft class. So if you had this stud running back on the Pitt Panthers, he went first overall in Madden. It was kind of cool to see that. I back loved in- fake computer players that I, you that you drafted and you, you cre- watched yeah. grow through yeah. the system. Yeah. I, I like that too. I had I played I so many seasons of like I I played so many seasons with those players that you would think that those players should be on the field. Yeah, I love those. I love those players more than real players. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That that college football game was so fun because you would do the uh, the recruiting and yeah. you would recruit every week while you were playing and like sometimes you would invite like a guy that. He, they would show he's he's got it down between because I was always Pitt. It would either be Pitt, Ohio State, or Penn State, and you're like, oh man, I gotta win this week when he to, comes to, to visit. Like boost, yeah, to right. Boost up, yeah. And it and you would determine like how many resources are you gonna put into getting this like five star athlete? Are you gonna send the head coach, but that's gonna like use most of your resources for that week. Or are you gonna just maybe have an assistant coach column so that way you could spread your resources out? I thought that was so fun. That is fun, but I didn't like the turnover because Yeah. The players wouldn't you know, those players don't last. They all go to the NFL. Right. But in the NFL, like you could always bring in some like broken down ass fucking Ex superstar on his last legs, and like kind of give him a little bump, and and turn him into like a great slot receiver or a third down back or something like that, <laughs> and 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 win the Super Bowl with that fucking piece of shit, and it was always fun. <laughs> Shout okay. out to you, Peter Warwick, so, you piece of garbage. <laughs> so now we know what Ian is excited about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to recycle broke down ass <laughs> players and um, win the Super Bowl. I was I, I thought you were like gonna tell me ben. your first game was gonna be the new God of War. Doesn't that come out like tomorrow? I think so or I think isn't it next week? It's the twenty seventh. Is oh, that right? I don't know. Um I think uh, um that seems pretty fun too. I think that that's gonna be a game that's going to it's gonna be on my list, but I my, saw IGN um, reviewed it. Yeah. It it's like the best game of all time, right? Yeah, it got a ten out of ten. Um as appealing as that is. Don't they is. just stroke the dicks of the big games? No, not necessarily. Like, isn't God of War and Far Cry and Destiny all going to get 10 out of 10s? Because don't they get paid by those companies to give them 10 out of 10s? Because they're IGN? Not necessarily. Some so. some 9 out of 10. 
They need to keep it honest. No, 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 I mean, sometimes, like, some of these big-name games come up and they get... Like, Microsoft's big push this year for um, their big Xbox game was Sea of Thieves, the pirate game. But everyone hates Microsoft. Huh? But everyone hates Microsoft. No. They do? A a big portion of the game-buying public has an Xbox, likes Xbox stuff. Yeah, I don't think Microsoft has the uh, negative connotation today that it did 15 years ago. Sea of Thieves seems to be doing gangbusters. Yeah, but it got a 7 out of 10 on IGN. Because it's Microsoft. Don't you have to pay every time you die? Real money? I thought so. No. I don't know anything about it. gold galleons. Gold gold balloons. (laughs) Um, Matt. Before we started the show, Paul had a question about Far Cry. Yeah. Can you explain Far Cry to him? Well, I don't know about Far Cry 5, which I guess just came out. But Well, here's ju- here's mm-hmm. what I know about Far Cry to set the table. Hipster rednecks in the apocalypse. Why are they hipster rednecks? Because that's what the cover of the game looks like. Okay. It looks like hipster rednecks at the Last Supper. Um, what the fuck does that have to do with a video game? I I don't know. Um, I can explain I, a little bit of it. I mean, when Far Cry started, it started out as they wanted to have the best graphics ever, like in a first-person shooter. And they put you on this gorgeous island where you could go everywhere. You could go to the highest mountain on the island all the way down into the ocean that surrounded it and swim to the neighboring island uh, you could go anywhere, basically do anything. Uh, over the years, they've kind of uh, refined that formula a little bit with some more structure. Um, I think the free roaming aspect is still there, but they've changed the settings. Like I think Far Cry 2, like the first one was in some kind of tropical <clears throat> setting. Then the second one was in Africa. And the third one, I think, went back to the tropics. The fourth one was in Asia or something. And now this one looks like it's in Montana. Um, But you have free reign to go wherever you want. The storylines, I think, differ from game to game. I don't think they're related, are they? I don't believe so. I think the premise is that you have to just take reclaim areas, just like uh, many of these games. Um, And this one, the hipster redneck portion of it, is that there's a cult in Montana that is the essential villain of the game. So that's who those hipster rednecks are. And that's okay. what you're trying to um, capture, I guess, is their mm-hmm. property and their land and everything. Um, yeah, it's it's a kind of an adventure-style first-person shooter, I, I suppose. Um, Ian, God of War comes out at midnight tonight. Midnight so, tonight. folks, by the time you hear this podcast, you can be a God of War owner. What's God of War about? From what I can tell, it's an. Ent- <laughs> I li- I love the from <clears throat> from how Paul can tell. From what I can tell, it's an entire game about shooting your monster son or teaching your monster son how to shoot deer. Yes, that's what it's about. I don't think that's totally it. Um, what do you know? Have you do you know what the other God of War games are like? No big pale guy with a with a David Bowie thing on his face, right? And he's got those those like axe things on chains. They were really cool weapons because they're like super long range. And the game was like very arcade like, 
where you had all these enemies swarming toward you and uh and you just were like a god and you would just destroy them um and then eventually you would get to like a main boss that was like some kind of greek mythological god also a god Right. Well, you technically weren't were you a god. You were fighting? a god killer. Oh, okay. And and the idea was you're working your way up through all the gods. To be the god of war. Basically, yes. And then you get to the end of the game, you fight Ares, the real god of war, and you defeat him, and then you become the god of war. Uh, there were three games in the series, a couple spinoffs, but um, I think they kind of ran their course, these arcade style. Now they've completely changed the perspective more to like a behind-the-character view, sort of like a... Um, like an Uncharted style. It looks more like an Uncharted style game. So what's what's the story about? I don't know, but the the character that you played You're teaching in, your son how to be the, the next character God that you war. played how in the original games now war. is much older. He has a son now. Like what? He's got a beard. He's got I a just beard of he... war. He's got a beard of war. One last little video game tidbit. Before we sign off, um, I recently played uh, Golden Axe. Paul, do you know what that video game is? The old Sega game? Yeah. See, you know. I know some stuff. Ian, do you remember Golden Axe? Yeah. Did you play the old Golden Axe? The old Golden Axe. Yeah. Um, On what? My brother built me a Raspberry Pi emulator. Um, I've heard of Speaking those. of fetishes. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, you can kind of download any game from like the classic era of video games. What would they call it a Raspberry Pi emulator? That's fucking filthy. It, it wasn't a cherry pie emulator. Yeah, this it sounds wasn't a worse. Cream this pie sounds emulator. like. <laughs> yeah, it sounds it sounds worse. The fucking you raspberry made it dirty. Raspberry Pi emulator. I'm not the only one thinking it. Plenty of listeners out there were like, "What the fuck is Matt into?" With his brother. Like, after you fuck it, you play Golden Axe. <laughs> the old Golden Sega Shower. game. Um, well, you don't know. Maybe. So, I was noticing when I was playing that game, A, because it like had the artwork that came up, A, I want a fucking Golden Axe poster. Because there's like this cool dragon that's like behind the characters. There's a lot of different art, so I'll have hey, to show dragon you. Dragon um, Number two... Man, the music in that game is so good. It's so good. Rad. I was listening to like different, kind of, but like you can like find different covers and shit on YouTube of it. Um, That's not it. That's called Next Two. But anyway, so what a fun revisit. I think I can say officially that Ian Golden Axe is my all time favorite video game. Yeah. Yeah. Why is it called Golden Axe, but he has a silver axe? Um, I Does don't it know. turn golden by the end of the game? Is this a God of War deal where... Listen, listen to me. He, that barbarian character, looks nothing like that in the game. Ugh. At all. This, this, this hurts my continuity heart. <laughs> anyway, Paul, do you have any final parting video game thoughts or thoughts on anything that we discussed tonight? Uh, no, I've had the Mario Brothers theme like on loop in my head for the last week. I don't know where it keeps coming from. I'm exhausted. That's it. Ian? Nope. Matt? 
I'm ready to just sign off so I can play some Golden Axe. Well, that'll do it for us tonight. My name is Paul McGinty. Ian Sharper. Matt Casal. We'll see you next time. <laughs>